Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 125 for November the 26th, 2013. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and back this week is Paul Ducklin. Welcome back, Paul. Hello, Chester. Last week, when I was with John, I, I mentioned in the podcast that, oh, geez, you know, everything is negative and a downer, and, you know, maybe at least we can end the podcast on an upbeat. And so I thought this week, we'll switch it around and we'll start it out with something upbeat. I know what you're going to talk about. If you want to be upbeat, it's got to be happy hour. Well, who doesn't get upbeat about happy hour? System administrators. Well, yeah, I guess it depends on the type of happy hour. And, and I suppose that's the, the crux of this conversation. There, There is a website um, purporting to enable people to, you know, leave work a touch early, let's say, by uh, feigning a computer problem. It's quite amusing. I mean, it, it's an equal opportunity exploiter, if you will, uh, this particular virus, and it seems to be compatible with Macs and PCs. And uh, I actually managed to get it to work on my tablet even. So if uh, it seems to be no matter what type of device you use, uh, Happy Hour may be compatible. Is this, is this the first truly cross-platform malware for work avoidance? Yes, you can choose to have a Mac-like crash screen, a sadly unrealistic blue screen of death for Windows, and uh, a sort of monitor mix-up that uh, is the kind of thing that you might expect if you've been hacking too heavily on mode lines on Linux. I don't think you get mode lines anymore. Oh, actually, you still do if you want to get down in there. Uh, X-Windows is has survived the 25-year mark and is, is marching along still. It promises of Wayland in the distance and mode lines going away are, are t totally unfounded. I guess it's important to point out to people in this case that uh, this is a hoax, right? It's just a funny browser message. So it's just a bit of fun. It's easy to say, well, you shouldn't make jokes about security. And of course, at Naked Security, we had to wrestle with that idea that if we write about it, do we suggest that we don't take security seriously? We did write about it, and what was very gratifying is we even had uh, system administrators among our commentators saying, you know, when people's computers do crash and they get off work early, sadly, that's when we have to work late. But they saw the funny side. So uh, I think it's called happyhourvirus.com if you want to go and have a look. I, I guess another twist of strangeness related to security this week was uh, quite a splash from Twitter. And like the happy hour virus, uh, the, the Twitter marketing people seem to have put some significant effort into making sure the word got out that they were using uh, what, what has been called perfect forward secrecy or forward secrecy um, for SSL on their sites. Now, I guess to put it all in perspective, we talked previously about Yahoo finally uh, moving toward 2048-bit SSL uh, on their own servers and, and kind of catching up with the, the NIST guidelines as to the recommended way you use uh, SSL TLS as a web host. I guess maybe this is Twitter's response to kind of taking things to the next step, right? Uh, you know, should this be the new default? And, and does it matter? Like, I mean, it is Twitter, right? Yes, of course. We had this a similar sort of argument a couple of years ago when Twitter announced that it would do TLS, HTTPS, for everything, mainly because of FireSheep, which, if you remember that, it was the Firefox plugin that could sniff session cookies for various social networking sites. Uh, so that proves why it's important to have encryption all the time, even for sites where your intention is to upload something that will then be published to the whole world. 
So what forward secrecy does is it says, let's use what's called an ephemeral, a one-off key, where we actually effectively generate a public-private key pair every time you connect for a new session. And when we're done, we throw away that key pair so that in the future, nobody can decrypt that traffic, even if they sniffed it at the time. Yeah, and I think the the implied uh, intent of the organizations that are now moving to this is it's sort of designed to thwart some of the alleged activities of the NSA and things like that, where perhaps uh, security agencies may be sniffing and storing encrypted traffic between nodes on the internet that in the future, they may be able to either break the key of the organization that you're communicating with, or perhaps through the courts, compel that organization to disclose their key, which would allow that stored communication to be decrypted. And by using something like forward secrecy, they would have to break each key pair for each conversation. Yes, it's, and of course, it's not just organizations like the NSAs, the GCHQs, the intelligence services of the world, but indeed anybody who might be sniffing your traffic, whether it's a private company, whether it's the inquisitive fellow sitting next to you in the coffee shop, uh, or cyber crooks. The algorithm normally used, Diffie-Hellman-Merkel, often abbreviated to DH or Diffie-Hellman, was actually invented before RSA, but often was not used in the past because, of course, there's this extra overhead of doing the what's effectively key pair generation, not just every time you set up a server, but every time you set up a connection. So the overhead is higher, and that's why most websites, at least until recently, didn't offer this option. It has been available for years and years and years. Uh, it's just simply that most browsers and servers have not until lately bothered to agree upon it. Well, I guess that answers some of those questions about people saying, uh, you know, why is it that we keep making processors faster and faster and faster when, you know, Microsoft Word already opens in five seconds on my computer with an SSD? And There are two main ways that this Diffie-Hellman-Merkel computation for the ephemeral keywork is done. One uses discrete logarithms, and received wisdom says that that adds about three times the overhead on the server side. And a more modern implementation uses different mathematics called elliptic curves. And according to Twitter, that only added about 15% overhead. It's just simply that people might have to wait a little longer while their session is set up in the first place. So instead of logging into Twitter in a quarter of a second, you might have to wait one second. Moving along to other topics, um... Fake support calls. I mean, you and I have spent a lot of time the last couple of months in particular responding to victims of CryptoLocker, trying to provide some advice and explain what CryptoLocker is and how it works. But this fake support call scam has been going on for years. I mean, you, you and Sean Richmond did a podcast on this, I think, three years ago. You know, is there anything that could be done about this? I mean, it looks like the FTC, the American Federal Trade Commission, is trying to get in on it a little bit. But is there anything we can do to, uh, to to put the pressure on these guys to protect our families and friends? Yes, in case anyone has missed out on fake support calls, that's where somebody calls you up out of the blue, says, oh dear, there appears to be a virus on your computer. They find some bogus error messages to scare you, Wickless, and then they take $300 off you for fixing a problem that wasn't there. 
And what got me interested in comparing this to CryptoLocker is it's that $300 price point, pretty much the same as what the CryptoLocker guys are after um, for selling your data back. Uh, what can we do? You can advise your friends and family that the best thing to do with these guys is hang up immediately. My advice, don't bait them, don't lead them on, don't try and make jokes with them about, oh, I've got a Mac, I've got Linux, I've got OpenBSD, I've got Amiga, as one guy wrote on Naked Security. I thought that was quite witty. But uh, the best defense is don't say a word. Put the phone down immediately. If they've got a local number that's come up on your phone as the uh, CLI, the calling line identification, then you can report that number to the telephone regulator in your part of the world because they must be buying those local phone services from somebody. Well, that's good advice, Paul. And I think it's a lot easier advice to take than the advice we give to crypto locker victims. Uh, it's very easy for us to say, hey, don't don't pay the crooks to buy your files back, even though, you know, many of the organizations I've spoken with have said, you know, we did our backups, but it costs us more money than the ransom fee to retrieve the backup tapes and actually restore the files. Um, you know, there's a lot of temptation when your files are being held uh, hostage, whereas in this case, you're right, just hang up. You've got nothing to lose. And at, well, you've got everything to lose if you stay on the line, including your time, not just your money. And, you know, the reality is uh, move on with life, hang up. And if you see him come and just turn the other way and run. The other thing is that these fake support call crooks have to have got your phone number from somewhere. And many of the people I've spoken to, although they suspect that the crooks don't know that much about them, they know that they've got their phone number and their name and pretty much where they live. So presumably they've, by fair means or foul, they've acquired a list from some other organization. Uh, so these guys, you should assume they know where you live. So you probably don't want to play around with them. Well, speaking of information that you may not know where somebody got it or, or that you might not want shared, uh, it turns out that smart TVs might not be as smart as it says on the box. I think what you're trying to say, Chester, is that the TV is super smart, uh, but the people who programmed it kind of forgot what features they put in there. And uh, when they have those features pointed out to them, don't seem to care very much. You're talking about LG, aren't you? Yeah, there there was an incident uh, that it, somebody was smart enough to take an eye to what traffic was coming in and out of their smart TV and notice that every time they switched programs, it was calling home to the manufacturer with what they were watching. Um, and the reason they were able to tell, of course, is because that, that information was totally unencrypted as well. There was no HTTPS or TLS, God knows no no forward secrecy involved. Uh, no secrecy at all. The TV was just kind of spamming the manufacturer with everything you did. Even worse, he actually found an option which is collection of watching info. Even after he turned that off, this information was collected. And uh, when queried, LG's official response was, that doesn't count as personal information. What's your problem? Well, yeah, and to, to suggest that uh, when and what television programs you watch uh, is not personal information, I mean, does that cross into some dangerous legal territory? If, if, uh, if something asks me if I want something to be done and I say no and it does it anyway, I mean, is there any kind of breach of contract? 
Chester, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't answer that. But there is, it does actually get worse in the LG story. Uh, this Dr. Beat fellow also discovered that when he plugged in one of his own USB sticks that had his own stuff on it, file names were collected off that USB key and sent back to LG as well. But LG had a brilliant excuse. Uh, that was actually an experimental bit of code, and it wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, and they weren't really collecting that data because they weren't actually that interested in it. Um, so that made it okay. And I think that's a really poor attitude. And ironically, they're not even collecting this data or so, they say. But everyone else can be because it's just flowing over the Internet. And when you look at the trouble Google got into over what the Y-Spy collection, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of heat building up on LG over this. Yeah, I have to agree. And, and it disturbs me from the bigger picture of this, this concept of the Internet of Things that everybody references, the idea that we'll have a not just a smart television, but a smart refrigerator and a smart washing machine. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that I trust uh, embedded things to be talking on the Internet without me being able to audit and understand what's going on, because... I don't want all this data collected about when I'm washing my boxer shorts and whether I'm low on milk, um, going to a manufacturer or being captured by random people that just happen to be sniffing the airwaves. I mean, it, there is a, there's a lack of transparency in embedded devices that makes it a little concerning for me to allow them to talk outside my firewall. You know, you sort of mentioned this Internet of Things, and it's almost as though we have this world in which as long as something isn't a credit card or a banking transaction or a mortgage payment or a tax return, then it kind of doesn't matter. Hey, dude, chill out. It's only a television. Hey, don't worry. It's only a light globe in your house that can be turned on or off. It's not as though it's actually a transaction that's important to you. The point is that the sum of all these small transactions tells people a lot about you. And in my opinion, this also raises that question, should we be an opt-in society instead of an opt-out society when it comes to the internet? And I absolutely think that things should be off unless and until you go and turn them on, not the other way around. I think that about sums it up uh, perfectly, Paul, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, for all the latest security news, we recommend you go to nakedsecurity.sophos.com uh, if you like the chat chat, it is an opt-in affair, not an opt-out one. So if you'd like to opt in with us, uh, you can listen to all of our podcasts over at soundcloud.com slash sophosecurity. Uh, and uh, you can also subscribe to us on RSS or via iTunes. And until next time, stay secure. <laughs>